Greetings, boys and ghouls, and welcome to another edition of Tales from the Pod Crypt. I'm your host, Wade. And today we're joined by a good friend of mine. I've been friends with him for 15 years. He's been on a lot of making dish stuff, Scott Yoakum. And today we're doing Season 1, Episode 3, Dig That Cat. He's real gone. And is a long episode. The past few episodes have been 30 minutes. Uh, Scott is a man that likes to delve into things, throw a little comedy in there, a little bit of insight. And this is an hour-long conversation with Scott. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet. So the big thing is you can follow us on Instagram. That is Tales from the Podcrypt on Instagram. Spread the word. Share it. Tell people. Put in your story. Tales from the Podcrypt is your new favorite pod... I almost said Podcrypt. Podcast. And uh, be sure to check out Jen Tonin, who did the music, the intro and outro music. You can check her out on jentonin.bandcamp.com. That's jentonin.bandcamp.com. And also, we have our YouTube, youtube.com slash Productions. You have our Criterion Connection. You have our B-Movie Den. All kinds of stuff. Um, that's all for the plugs I have. Frankly, I just want to get right into the discussion of probably one of my favorite episodes of Season 1 with Joey Pants. So let's just jump right in. Right now. And now we are here with Scott Yoakum. Hey, guys. Uh, you know Scott. If you listen to any Mink Condition podcasts production whatever you've heard scott before he's the personality guys <laughs> i'm the more straight laced this guy is the the loose cannon if you will though i will say he prepared for this episode bigger than i thought he was going to uh, what can i say you know when you when you told me the idea for this show i was like you know what i gotta make a you know you only get one chance to make a good first impression yes. and i thought this was the first time I'm going to care about that. Now, so thank you, thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Now, one of the reasons why you're definitely one going to be a long-staying guest is you don't really have that much experience with the tales, the tales from the crypt show. Uh, I have more than I than I probably let on, but I wouldn't say enough to where I, I'll put it this way: I like the show. I wouldn't call myself a fan, but not due to a lack of interest, just more of a lack of experience. Yeah. But um. Uh, fun fact, I'm probably one of the few people who remember that there was a game show based on yes. this. Uh, I used to watch it when I was a kid. That was actually my, believe it or not, that was my first, like, n- obvious experience with it. Like, I don't, like, I might have caught an episode here or there, but because of the nature of it, I probably didn't realize what I was watching. No, I, I, I liked it, and I always liked the Crypt Keeper. I mean, who, who yeah. didn't? So safe to say, experience-wise, you're kind of... A lot of the episodes you'll be on, whichever episodes they are, it's maybe your first time watching. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good analogy or okay. not a good analogy, a good assumption. Yes, and uh, and we're starting off your first episode on the show with the third episode of season one. That's right. Dig that cat. He's real gone, which is a real interesting name. I still I don't I've watched this episode so many times in the past decade plus. I still don't understand. The title? Because it's a cat. I know, dig that cat, he's real gone. It's such a weird sentence. I'm I'm pretty sure, okay, so for those of you who don't know, this is based on one of the EC comics. This is based on uh, Haunt of Fear, number 21, came out in September or October of 1953. Wasn't able to get the, wasn't able to find out the exact month. Um, so I chalk it up to just like the way people talked back then, like the pun worked with, just how people talked in that yes. time period. Um, I mean, the cat part, I think you you got. I'm yeah. teasing you. No, I got that. But um, I, I, other if it was that, called I who can't. let the if it was called who let the dogs out, I'd be like, well, that wouldn't work because this is a cat. I know it's a cat. It is a cat. It's a cat. Um, but yeah, this episode came out June tenth, nineteen eighty nine. But first, let's get to a synopsis. Sure. Straight from the DVD. Shoot him, drown him, hang him, zap him with a kajillion volts. Hey, it's a living. A man who receives a surgical graft of a cat's nine lives becomes a carnival sensation with his dying act. Yeah, um, 
you got to suspend a lot of disbelief oh. in this episode. Oh, I worry. accepted that going in because I know what show I'm watching. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get into, I have a lot of notes of what goes on and a lot of goofy stuff. But oh, first, God. before we get into the episode, we got to talk about the people behind it. That's we right. have Screenplay. It was written by Terry Black. Terry Black. Who is only really known for writing one movie, and you've seen the movie, Scott. I've seen this movie, okay, because not, I don't know who Terry Black is. Dead Heat. Dead Heat. The f- With Treat Williams. They wrote the, the Treat Williams Joe Piscopo movie? Yeah, Terry Black. Wait, that was Joe Piscopo? Yes. That's a good movie. I know. It's, you should it's, watch it's, it. No, I, I've seen it many times. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's anyone... very underrated. Anyone who's listening to this, I mean, you're listening to a Tales from the Crypt podcast. I know you like fucking... Uh, can I say that? Can I say that yes, on this you show? Can say All right, say. cool. Um, I know you're into like fucking horror and stuff, so and blood and guts and stuff. While it's not over the top in, in that department, I still think it's a really fun movie. You should watch Dead Heat. Oh yeah, and this this guy's mostly known for that movie, so that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Or girl. Yes. Could, we don't know. We we I can't assume the gender of yes. Terry Black. Uh, I should wrote that in my notes. Thanks, Scott. Uh, anyway, but that's why I'm here. I unknowingly. Put picture on this episode because I thought this episode was a little more fun, a little more easy breezy on this one. Right, you had. Uh, I think you had ulterior motives. I think I did not think. Then I saw the director on here, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I didn't even think about this. The director was Richard Donner of Superman One and real version of Superman Two fame. Yes. Uh, he did the Goonies. He did the uh, Lethal Weapon film franchise. I've never seen Lethal Weapon, by the way. As, believe it or not, neither have I. Oh, I've been meaning to do that. Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with the Lethal Weapon television series. I don't think it did. Um, but uh, from what I heard, I hope he didn't, because apparently it's not that good. Uh, he also did The Omen. And he did do The Omen. And holiday classic, Scrooged. He did. I, yes. Because I, um, I remember looking him up uh, after you you told me the episode we were doing. I saw Richard Donner and everything, and I, and I looked up a list. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, like yeah. you wouldn't expect it. There it is. Yeah, there it's funny because the previous episode uh, was uh, Mary Trainer was the lead actress in it. She was the exec in Scrooge, the ones like the grandmother. She died, that blonde woman. Yeah, yeah. She was in the previous episode, and here we go, Richard Donner. But you're a big Superman fan. Yes, that's why I was like, I unknowingly it works put you me. in this. It works for me on two dimensions because I am a big Superman fan, but I'm also a fan of '80s movies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Superman movies came out in the '80s. Goonies came out. Um, I'm, I know he did other things. Just the super, Superman. Goonies, Lethal Weapon, and Omen are all I can think of at this time. Yes. Uh, and then we can go at, to the director. He's also doing, like, uh, the final Lethal Weapon movie. I think it's, like, lethal, like final I'm just, Lethal Finale or something. I'm just going to call it Lethal Weapon 5. He's, like, in his 90s, so good on you, Richard yeah, Donner. Yeah, yeah. R- You're Richard, not Donner. Yeah, Richard, Richard Donner. You know what? When it's all over, let's throw a Donner party. How's that? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll supply the meat. And for the main cast, we only have one person in the main cast that we have to mention. Um, there, we'll mention the other people as we go along talking about the episode. I think I know where you're going with this. Uh, so we have uh, Joey Pantoliano or Joey Pants. Yeah, I don't know if that started with Red Letter Media, but ever since I heard it, uh, I like calling him Joey Pants. And between Wade and I, it's easier than remembering yes. his name. But yes, Joe Pantoliano. Uh, he plays Ulrich, um, the Undying. You might know him from, you know, Bad Boys, uh, Matrix, A uh, little television show called The Sopranos. Oh, that's that's how I know it, because it's a Sopranos fan. He's Ralph Cifero. Yes. Fucking asshole Ralphie. But Wade, tell them how I know Joey, Joe, Joey Pants, Pantoliano. Is it because of Relator Media? No. Robot in the Family? No. No. Baby's Where do Baby, I know him from? Baby's Day Out? Close. Very close. That's where Caitlin knows him from. Okay, what, what, what do you know him from? Uh, a little, uh, being the wrestling fan that I am, a oh. little movie called Ready to Rumble. Oh, that's Mr. right. T- Mr. Titus St. Clair. And that's an un- another thing unknowingly I you know, put you on this episode for. And so, and once again, if you're familiar with me- any like past episodes of Mink and Dish podcast or anything like that, you will know when it comes to me, it always comes back to wrestling. Did we ever do a Ready to Rumble commentary track no we did not but you know what wade i think we should do it we might do it in yeah. the future so stay tuned if that piques I, your interest i mean what would king do anyway 
So let's talk about now. We're that's we're done with that. Let's go into the episode. Let's go into the Crypt Keeper intro. Um, it's this is probably the creepiest tales like Crypt Keeper intro of the season so far. Where it doesn't have a, like a gimmick. It's just like he's like, "Hi, kitties. We're gonna talk about this." Yeah, I I will say, even though I think the animatronics on him aren't as good as they would become. I do think it kind of lent to a creepier vibe. Like, I think because the mouth and stuff weren't as articulate, or didn't have as much articulation, I should say, because I don't know if articulate is the right way to phrase in that regard. It kind of gave it that, like, real, like, dead body kind of vibe. Yeah. And with the, the shroud, or not the shroud, is it a shroud? Would you call it a shroud? Sure. We'll call it a shroud. You know, he's got, like, the fu- the thing on. And I th- I think it worked. I think the the lighting and the scenery and everything. I think I think I think it's much more effective. I think that's what they always wanted Crypt Keeper to be. And then as time went on, when they saw that people were liking the puns and the goofy well, part of it, I think they. I think it's more because like the EC Comics, because there's also a great thing. If you don't have the season one d- DVD, there's a great documentary about from comics to TV, and there's a great thing with. They mentioned how EC Comics was dark, and they later put in the puns to make it a little bit more light. Now, see, I didn't think that would be in the books. Yeah. I always I assumed that was something they did for the show to it's try like, to appeal it's to very mass black audience. humor, very black mass humor, and dark, very dark humor with it. Um, but yeah, but luckily the internet, as I mentioned, we have to, I have to do my dramatic. We've been here for a few weeks. Dramatic reading of the Crypt Keeper's little mantra here. Oh, Jesus Christ. This, this. this is the Let's, first time you're hearing this. It is. In fact, uh, fun fact, I when I did this, I told Wade, I said, I don't want to know anything about the show. Yes. I don't want to know the format. I don't want to know what you do. All I'm, all, I'm just ready for a discussion. And so I'm looking forward to this. Yes. And when he told, when he dropped the, the knowledge, the news on me that he was going to do this, I was psyched. I was hyped. So, Wade, let's not delay it any longer. Let's do it. All right. Good evening, fiend fans, and welcome to my crawly crypt. This little drama is about one of life's unexpected pleasures. Dying, that is. Most of us only get to do it once, and it's all over before you can really enjoy it. But one man did get to die again, and he liked it so much he started doing it for a living. This is the story of Ulrich, the Undying, a sideshow performer who found death not only fun, but profitable. In fact, he's dying to put on a show for you right now. That was good. Yes. That was good. I didn't have as many puns. I I appreciate, you know what? I imagine that's what the Crypt Keeper from the comic book would sound like. Like Adam West? (laughs) More like Adam East. Adam East. Adam, Adam East. Adam Weast. Okay. Adam Weast. Uh, so we're now we're going to talk about the episode. We start with a nice kind of low angle at the carnival. And right. brilliantly, a cat runs by really fast. It yeah. tells you everything you need to know. You're, it's a carnival and it also I, not a cat. I, I, I'm going to have to stop you there because if you notice, when we get there, it's called Big Top Carnival. Yes. Now, when you hear Big Top, you don't think carnival. You think circus. Yes. But it's Big Top Carnival. So it got me thinking. You were thinking Pee Wee's Big Top. No, 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 no. It got me thinking. Did they, when did they call it that because they didn't know if they wanted it to be a circus or a carnival or when they were coming when they came up with the name someone was all or I want to believe they came up with the name with it being a carnival but when the producers whatever were like well what is it is it a carnival is it a circus what is it yes well. <laughs> I didn't think we we were. I didn't think you were a big old like uh, circus uh, snob over here. No, I'm just saying. I just thought it was funny because like it's it's like if you. Well, actually, it's but, a circus. Well, no, the beauty of it is is you can misremember it as a circus and you're still fine. Yes. If anything, I think it's a, a beautiful safety net. Yeah, and I, I'm fine with that. And you know, it's great because you know the camera starts moving like you're. You're a patron. You are one of the people. There. Yeah. So it's, they're doing the first person deal. Yeah. And not honestly, not long into this is where I I, I, I noticed my first of a few, but my first thing that it didn't take me out of it, but it made me think, wow, this is the '90s. And then I looked up and it was '89, and I was like, 
wow, this is a pro, definitely a proto '90s production. I'll get more into yeah. it as we progress. Uh, but when I say it, you'll understand. Is it proto '90s because of um, the ringleader, Arliss himself, Robert Wool? Oh, uh, that doesn't help. But no, okay, you know, what? I'll just say it. Okay, so there were a couple things in this episode that I noticed that you would never have done before the 90s or like the late 80s, early 90s. And before, you wouldn't do them afterwards. One of them was, I don't know if you caught them, Wade, or noticed them. They do these weird like double cuts where like someone will do something twice. Like, for example, at the very beginning, when he introduces everyone, he jumps down and then there's an immediate jump cut of him jumping down again. Yeah. But it's different. Yeah. It's it's not it's he's doing the same thing, but he's doing it differently. And it's not like It's not glaring like uh we'll get into the the that's yes. the, that, that one seems um, glaring. We'll get to it. But like it's one of those things where it's such a nineties thing. Like I remember mm-hmm. like a lot of nineties music videos and stuff would do that. Um also the extreme close-ups. In your face. They could be very uncomfortable. But to their credit, it was mostly during the circus parts. When, like, when the, um, excuse me, when the ringleader or whatever. Bar- his name was Barker. Barker, thank you. Um, probably a nod to Clive Barker, you know, a noted horror enthusiast. Or, you know, the Ringling brothers, their unknown brother, Barker, <laughs> their third brother. Yeah, he's a dog, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, um, oh, oh, oh! But this is about cats. Right, right. See, that's how, that's the twist. They're trying to subvert your expectations. <laughs> It's about Um, family. I'm pretty sure Ryan Johnson directed that portion (laughs) of the episode. Um, But no, so I noticed that, and like, it was fine. Like, you gotta gotta put on your your of-the-time glasses. Like, in this case, you gotta put on your late 80s, early 90s glasses. Um, So, I was able to look past them, but like, you just know you would never see this on another, on a television show or a movie or anything Today, I would say maybe even like late '90s into the early 2000s, you wouldn't see this ever again. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think my only re I, I my only real like production gripe was I just think some spots were a little a little too lit, but I'm sure it was an aesthetic thing. Yeah. So that uh, that nitpick. Like I'm not even complaining about this stuff. It's just stuff that I I picked up yes. on, and I was like, wow, this is. Very much a product of its time. Yeah, and also, uh, then we get into the... We introduce us to Ulrich. He's doing his thing. Did you catch the cameo in this burial scene? Probably not. There's a Richard Donner cameo. Okay, here's the here, here's why I didn't catch it. I don't know what Richard Donner looks like. Uh, Believe I, it or not! I, I was lucky because I watched the documentary, uh, the Tales from the, the, the Crypt Keeper history thing. I did watch that. So I saw a picture of him and Zemeckis. I was like, oh, that's what Robert Zemeckis looks like. I don't even know what he looks like. Anyway. Oh, okay. So basically what's going on is... I did not catch it. It's when he's like, they start chanting Ulrich. He's oh, he's all, one of the audience members. He's all the way on the left with his wife. And he's just going, Ulrich, Ulrich. Once you see what Richard Donald looks like, you know who he is. Okay, because I was going to say, you're not going to tell me he was the one in, with the mustache who kind of looked like Saddam Hussein. No. Okay. No, that's not him. Because I did notice there were a few like there were a few like like audience members that you could clearly tell were like at all the set the shows, uh, particularly the uh, the blonde woman with like the poofy hair and the dress. Yes, um, she's the one I noticed more than anyone else because she's more out there and more in your like close up than some of the other ones. Uh, also, you you uh, also did mention we are introduced to mustache number one. Oh yes, you point. I did not know. I've watched this episode so many times throughout the years, and um, I never noticed this. But you pointed it out to me and blew my freaking mind. That he's wearing different mustaches. Ah, I'm gonna blow your mind even further. Towards the end, when he gives him his payoff, remember when they're in the the yeah. they're in the we're the jumping that, but yeah, yes, yes. He doesn't have a single piece of facial hair. He's oh. clean shaven. Oh man. Yeah. So the entire time is it's. Oh my gosh. No, I don't think it was. Because there's a moment when he talks to the doctor, when he's like basically trying to sell him on, uh, uh, I keep wanting to call him Ehrlich, because I'm from Maryland. Yeah. Uh, Ulrich. When he's trying to sell him on Ulrich, I'm pretty sure that's a real mustache. Okay. I think it is. Or at least in, in storyline, in, in case. Robert Wall, if you're listening to this, please let us know. Yeah. 
hit us up. But yeah, so as you were saying, you were saying, sorry, we got a little sidetracked, yes. but I just wanted to point. Uh, Rinchus Ulrich, Ulrich is doing his burial thing, and this is the base of the setup the entire episode. Uh, it's different from the man who was death. The man who was death was basically William Sadler, basically breaking the third wall and telling, talking to the audience, narrating it by just talking to the audience like it's a person. He's basically telling you the, the story. Yeah, as this you're this, one, this yeah this one it's more he's not really breaking third wall. It's more if he's talking to himself no, and well, recollecting, um, narrating. But it's not like he's not he's it, not acknowledging the people. It's it kind of works both ways. Like I feel like in a in a in one sense I agree with you, but it's like it's almost like he's doing both. Yes, like it's one of those things where in it's it's more like it's one of those things where as an audience member he's talking to me yeah but in 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 the thing like he's he's talking yeah. to himself but, but and, and William Sadler and the man who was dead right. straight up just looking at the audience telling him um, stories and that was one of the things I really liked about the story the way this episode was done and I also feel like it really this is one of those few times where I feel like the whole talking to the audience thing actually played very well into the payoff. Yes. And I feel like if they didn't do it, I don't think it would have come off as good. Yes. Um, also, I have to ask, am I the only one that thinks that Joey Pants was reading the his his monologue? Oh, that's funny. On the, on the, like, he's laying there, and I know he's not in a casket, but oh. I have a feeling he's laying, like, looking at something, like something, like the camera's there, and I feel like he's got... Because if you notice, when they do those sp- parts... Sometimes his eyes wander a little yeah. bit, and I'm like, "What the fuck could he be looking at? He's in a casket." Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's that's an easy and I'm film. Like it's a it's an easy film secret right, right there. And I have honestly, I'm fine with that because I mean, we've done like, it. We've done not, it in our well, film not stuff. Not only have we done it, but I mean, we're we're not Joe, Joey Pantoliano. No. But we're not on his level. You know, he may pee in some dumb shit. Robot in the but, family. But for the love of God, the dude can act. The yes. dude's a great actor. Yes. Has not gotten his proper due, in my opinion. Um, I feel like he's the Vincent D'Onofrio of his time. Yeah. I feel like Vincent D'Onofrio kind of got recognized, although I think he got more recognized from Daredevil. It's because... And he, I think Joe, Joe Pantoliano is still... Oh, has speaking yet to of that... get his moment. Joe Pantoliano is in Daredevil, the 2002 yes. movie. Yes! Yes, he's the yes. investigator. That's right! Oh my god! Oh my god! So much Joe Pantoliano! Uh, guys, I swear to god, if you... If, if, we we got six degrees of Kevin Bacon. We need six degrees of Joey Pantoliano. Well, it's it's because you know, you, you know Tone. He he I, he did a lot of coke. He, <laughs> That's the thing he says in The Sopranos. He says it a lot. And but, so when he does something wrong, it was the coke. But basically, what I'm saying is, I, I wouldn't hold him against it because I mean that that especially with how much he says in those moments, that's a lot to remember for. Oh, yeah. a one appearance in a 30 minute show that yeah. you're not coming, you know, you're not coming back to. Yeah. So you know, I don't care. It didn't take even if that was what it, it didn't take away from it. Even if I because I because if I noticed it, you know, it doesn't take away. It's just I I just I have to believe that. Yes. So basically, we're narrating. Uh, Dr. Manfred finds him when he's a homeless person. Dr. Manfred is played by Gustav Ventus, who he hasn't really done much, so... Yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't find it. I couldn't. I was trying to do some research on people, and uh, I couldn't really find anything There's on not much guy. on this guy. I do know... I forget what the movie was, but there was one movie that his name was Gustav. So uh, yeah, his, his own name was the name of the character. I, I can't make fun of that, because how many times has Tony Danza played a guy named I Tony? Know, I know. You know what I mean? I can't fault him for that. Uh, so basically, he's like, I only put this gland in the back of your brain. Uh, the, I mean, the brain stem, I guess that's where the gland would be. Right. Uh, it's gonna be a cat's. You get the cat's nine lives. He does the surgery, and we're gonna go. We're gonna basically go through every life death. That's pretty much the whole episode. Right. Is death. So the first death is he gets shot in the head. You know, point blank. Just to test out the theory, right. and I watched. I, I watched. I, I watched this with my wife, and she pointed out something to me. She's like, "That was a horrible shot." Yeah. She's like, would that even kill somebody? Because if you look at it, he shoots him in the side of the head, and like the way he's angled, it's like it, it's more like the bullet would have grazed him. I, I feel like that shouldn't have killed him. And uh, well, here's the. And there's. Uh, I'll later. We'll later talk about the logic of this whole episode. What logic? I'm just saying. You're at, at, at some point, he. Tr- okay, well, we'll get. I'll, I'll let you the know. The logic when get to of it. this episode is based upon the idea that cats literally have nine <laughs> yeah, lives. They I, literally <laughs> like that's not a that's not just a phrase. That is a literal fact of life. Yes. Uh, 
So then, you know, he, you know, Manfred talks to the um, the Barker, the Barker, the Ringmaster, Arliss. He talks to Arliss. I'll he just talks say to Arliss. Arliss with two dollar signs. Um, so it's like I got the sideshow act here. We're gonna do this. So Ulrich, his first life, his second life, I guess second life, first yeah. life in the circus carnival. Um, he basically drowns in a tank. Uh, he gets a girl's digits. Uh, yes. In the process. Yes. Uh, Cor- uh, Coralie yes. was her name. Uh, played by uh, Kathleen York. And uh, I don't really know where she's from. Same. I'm not familiar with her. Uh, Sorry, but, but she. Oh, my God. Was she great in this episode? Though. Oh, yeah. Um, so she's trying to ask. She's trying to. My favorite thing about this scene is. So she's trying to ask him out while he's doing the act which in this in this situation he's being drowned in a tank yes or he's about to be drowned in a tank and i'm like you could no no he's underwater when she's asking him out no no but, no no, no, she, no no but i'm yeah. saying but i'm saying i'm just that's but that's the the trick that's what he's doing oh yeah and i'm just like you couldn't have asked him before you went, he went in there you yeah. know like but you know it is what it is it's funnier that way oh yeah um, then, you know, there's, there's a scare here because he's not resurrected immediately. Right. And that actually leads to one of my favorite, uh, recurring gags in this episode is the resurrection. Cause if oh, you notice, resurrection. if you notice, it never works. Yes. There's never a moment where they do resurrection and he comes back instantly. And I thought that was great. Like, I thought it was, like, one of those things where, like, it would work in the first one when he did it. And, like, he just immediately come back to life. And when it didn't, I was like, oh, shit. Like, what's going on? And then he comes back. And then I know when they do it again later on, I'm thinking, like, oh, you think by then they would figure it out, like, the science yeah. of it? Science. Science? <laughs> just, like, trying um, to figure out the science of magic. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, but they never do. They never figure out the, how to time these out. There, there's one thing that's really, uh, like, super, like, this is... Because the past two episodes were very kind of serious. They're very based in logic. Um, this one... Well, there is... Man Who's Death, there's a whole thing where, like, death penalty is banned and then unbanned in one day. I don't know how that works, but that's not how legislation works. Right. Maybe in the 80s, but anyway... Uh, this one is where they just say, oh, we're going to go goofy. Well, where, where literally where the doctor has the stethoscope and he takes it out of his that, ears. That was one of my favorite. The, I, oh, my God. That was one of like and three water. moments where I really cracked up. Yeah. And the water. So, so if you have not seen the episode, I don't know why. Sorry. Spoilers. Um, water is coming out of the stethoscope ears. Yes. And I'm like, that, that's not how it works. That's my, But that was one of my favorite gags. Oh, no. He pulls them off. He's like. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, the timing, the the timing of that. If that was that was a ter- be- that was a terrible impression of Doctor Manfred. He's dead. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like. It was one of those things where if this was meant to be taken seriously, they failed. If this was meant to be a joke, they succeeded. Oh, I no. laughed my this ass is, off. This is the first episode where we're starting to get little of the, the Tales from the Crypt humor and the right. gags. And the humor is not just in the Crypt Keepers, like yes. puns and stuff like that. And that's what's great about the show is like there's so many variety. There's some really scary ones. And there's some that are just completely goofy. And season seven, there's a lot of, what? But I think the key, the key to what makes it work, at least in this episode, because I can't speak on others, is the timing and the tone. Like that, like that's one of the things that I think this episode gets right with its combination of like suspense and kind of dark. I won't call it dark humor, but there is dark humor. But just like the, the dark nature of it, and they they figure out that like when you are, I guess well, I'll say dark humor. When you're doing dark humor, you have to have that right level, that right tone to yes. make it work. Because if you're off by too much, it's either too funny to be taken to be to fi- see the darkness, or it's too dark to see the humor. Yeah. In it. And they they I, everything about this feels right. Everything is toned right to where like the circus stuff up until he's dead feels very like this could be any circus, this could be any carnival that you go to, and it's lighthearted and it's 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 exciting and it's fast paced. But it doesn't feel like, oh my god, I'm about to see a man literally die. And then when it, but then when it comes to the death, the music changes and the tone changes mm-hmm. to where you re- at least as an audience, as someone watching the show, you it, you feel the heaviness of I'm watching a human being die. Yeah, you know, and 
and I really appreciate that. That's something you don't get a lot of these days. Well, I, think a lot of, I think it's something that's lost on people. So there's the third life. He gets hung like a cowboy. Uh, that one was great. I, lo- I really enjoyed the, him arguing with uh, Coralie about pulling the lever. Like, she, like, refused to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then she's, like, all happy. He's, like, can you help me? Can you help me? Get yeah, he's, like, I'm not trying to waste a life. Uh, I, thought that was, I thought that was a good And it line. leads to, like, him having a really goofy voice because his voice rocks. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my God. He comes, like, he's got the bandage on his throat. And, like, he's, like, talking to him like this. He sounds like, uh, he kind of almost sounds like, um. Oh, what's his face? The guy from Independence Day and Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. You know, I, yeah. Oh my god. That guy. I, I think his name's like Weinstein or Weinberg. Harvey Fire Fierstein. Fierstein. Okay, fi- I knew it was like one of those things where it was just off. Because I remember everyone was ah. everyone was sending him, like people were messaging him about Harvey Weinstein. They thought he was Harvey Weinstein. And he's like, no, darling, I'm no, not that. No, I, I never raped anybody, I promise you. Believe me, and even if it was, it wouldn't be a girl, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> honey, That's let me, really him. honey, let me tell you, your cans are not big enough for me to even think about it. <laughs> anyway, so that's what he sounds like. And there's one thing, I, this is the first time I've ever noticed it at multiple watchings of this over that the years. That she calls his penis Mr. Friendly? Yes. Oh yeah. my god, I was saying that as a goof. I did not think that was what you were going to say. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, his wiener's name is Mr. Friendly? Question mark? Yeah, Mr. Friendly. Because it, it comes back. Yeah. It's like... It's like, of all the things that didn't need a payoff, but I'm glad it's there, Mr. Friend. And then we get to the fourth life is the car accident. This is the turn where Ulrich becomes the villain. This is basically where he figures out how to earn all the money and how to basically take over. Um, And this is one of those scenes where you and I, we kind of debated on this. Because obviously there's nothing in the scene. There's nothing there that specifically says my theory but i have this weird feeling that like in 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 kayfabe and story had their conversation gone longer he would have alluded to what he would would um Ulrich would eventually figure out on his own yeah we'll get we're not gonna reveal what that oh, is oh no 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 uh basically no no, no. For, I, I, uh, i'm trying uh, to keep it as that I'll, part of spoiler i'll free explain Basically, it's uh, this is a big deciding factor on the turn on him as a person. Also, in the end, this is a big turning point here, and I'll explain when we get to the end why uh, it's a turning point. And it's also a turning point because he turned his car. Yeah, uh, uh, and, but, it, and not only that, but if you think about it, it's kind of a brilliant, a brilliant way to kill somebody if you if you know you're going to come back. Yeah. It's like okay, get in the car with me. Everyone will think it was a car accident. I'll come out unscathed. And you'll be dead. So yeah, I mean, be it, de- it's you'll be re- dead, guy. <laughs> and but I mean, it, it it was genius on his part to an extent. But by the same token, knowing off the bat, you have a you still have a limited amount. I mean, in real life, you have a limited amount. But knowing he had a limited amount of lives anyway, I in a way it was kind of dumb. Yeah. But you know. Um, what do I know? I'm not a man who can perpetually die. Uh, fifth life, the fifth death is electrocution via raffle draw. And I'm going to tell you this. I watched this episode four times in preparation for this. It wasn't until the fourth viewing I noticed he's holding light bulbs. Yes. I did not notice that. And I was like, oh my god, they should have just put one in his mouth like Uncle Fester. Yeah. Uh, and he also has his fake tears for Dr. Manfred. He's yes. like, I dedicate this death to him. Like, you ass. No, my favorite part is like, shut up and cook him! Or shut up and fry him! That was my, yeah. that was like one of my, that was like one of my favorite things. Because I'm just like, who yelled? I want to know who yelled that. I don't know. Probably Richard Donner himself. Um, this is also maybe the most frightening death. This, yes, because this, I mean, this is the, this one is the most lingered on. This one is, when you think about it, is the most painful. Because here's the thing. When you get hanged, like, yes, you break your neck, but you're dead before you really, you really feel, you could feel anything. Um, but like, you know, you're really going through it. And also, uh, fun fact. Blood coming out of his eyes. Fun fact. Uh, so, so the old lady who wins the drawing, she was in the Ten Commandments. Oh, really? I'm Hold not on. kidding. The movie or the actual events? <laughs> <laughs> you decide. 
Uh, I did not know that. Yes, uh, because, you know, I I tried to look up all different, you know, some of the actors and stuff. I especially like looking up elderly actors, like people who, like old people in movies, not not like where it's like someone who just plays an old person, but someone who actually is old. Because I always like to see, like, were they... Did they, were they an actor for a long time? Did they get into acting when they got old? How much have they really done being an old person? Like it's interesting and fun. Uh, yeah. So then we get into the morgue. So he's dead. dead and, is, or if I may quote him from the first step, he's dead as shit. Yeah. Which I was like, God damn it! He stole Wade and I's quote. We say dead as shit all the time. Oh, he's real dead as shit here, and. Basically, this guy, uh, the, what would they be? The people that embalm people. Morti- are they mortician? No. Uh, it was like I, a city morgue. So I, was- I just would say mortician or embalmer. Embalmer, yeah. Embalmer, hon. <laughs> We're embalmer. I, I just wanted to say that so I could do the embalmer. Uh, so, he gets up and scares him. You have a story about this okay. one. Okay. Because you also mentioned who this guy was. I didn't know who okay, he was. Okay, so, so the actor in question who plays the mortician is Larry Hankin. Um... You may not know his name, but you have seen his face. If you IMDb him, if you look on his IMDb, chances are you saw something. He has had bit parts on Frasier, on Cheers. He's had he was uh, a cop, one of the cops in Home Alone. He's the donut guy in Home Alone. Right. Um, here's one I bet you didn't think about. He is um, uh, Carl in Billy Madison. He is Carl. He is Carl. Yes, he is. Yes. yes. Um, so, like I said, he's one of those. He's like Joe Pantoliano in that way. You've seen him in something, whether you know it or not. He was not. also in Daredevil. No, he wasn't. He might have been. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? He was at the donut shop. Um, okay, so his reaction. So, it's one of my favorite things. It's my favorite moment in the whole episode. So, he's on the table. Uh, Coralie comes in. He's trying to explain to the mortician that, like, okay, yes, he's dead, but he's not going to be dead for long. And he's, like, not paying attention. And all of a sudden... Uh, 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 Ulrich, he gets up and he sits up like Michael Myers or something, and he he freaks the mortician out. So he's like he he damn near has a heart attack. He falls back and he falls onto like his like um cart with stuff, and he's just like slowly falling. He's down. crumbling. Right, he's crumbling down. And there's a great video if you go to uh the the Meteor King Instagram page. You can find this video. And, um, so if you go, go on, uh, I believe, would it be Instagram.com slash Meteor King band? Yes. All right. Instagram.com slash Meteor King band. Search Meteor King on Instagram if you're not doing it on a web browser. But if you go on there, it's a fairly early video. Um, but it is, it is a black and white video. So keep an eye out for a black and white video. And, um, so our drummer, Johnny, uh, it was December 10th, 2017. He decided he was, he was going to hide out in the bathroom of the practice space where Wade and I practice, uh, practice yeah. for Meteor King. And he jumped on scares. Now for me, he got me, but it was just more of a, huh? But for Wade, it was, huh? But then he, I don't know what happened, but Wade, like, fell back. He went up against the wall, and he's just sliding down. Exactly how this like, guy went. Like, 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 imagine a slug slowly sliding down a wall. That was Wade. It's like he, it's like he knew he was going to fall, and he just, like, he was trying to do everything he could to not fall. But the walls were so smooth, he had nothing to grab on. Yeah. And he, a, a fall that should have only taken maybe like two seconds took like a minute. Yeah. And um, it was glorious. So. Uh, but the reason I, I only mentioned that part because uh, the video cuts off before that. So just, if you're attached, think of how the mortician falls. Apply that to Wade when you watch that clip. Yeah. Um, but then this leads to this whole weird logic thing of the episode where. This he, leads to weird logic of the episode. He says. That, like, if I got embalmed, I don't know if I could come back. No, he says, and if he could, he he wouldn't want to think about it. Okay, well, here's the thing. Okay, so he gets a bullet in the skull. Let's say it doesn't go all the way through. Is it stuck in his brain? No. If he fall, if he, let's say that he got hung. Why don't he broke his neck? He did does break he, his neck. But, hon, does that mean he also regen? Yes, has a regeneration? They, they, speci- they do specify that in the episode. Okay. Like, he can regenerate. He can heal. His body can heal himself. Here's the thing. 
if he's embalmed, that's not necessarily a healing thing. That's true. That is an actual. That'd be like, for example, that would be okay. Like if I must got, have missed it. That'd be like if he was like stuck in cement. You're stuck in cement. It doesn't matter. You're stuck in cement. It's like it's basically like having cement in your body. Yeah. No, no, no matter what he does, he's stuck. Okay. He, he'll he'll be embalmed. He'll be alive and embalmed. Yeah. And that's fucking scary to think about. Oh yeah. So anyway, so, so he's alive. Sixth, the sixth life was an arrow to the heart, a heart on, as it will. Yes. Um, I, so I think th- this was like mustache number si- five or yes. six. Yes. So first guy, he was terrible. Yes. Um, okay. This was an example of that. That particular moment was a great example of what I was talking about with the extreme close-ups. Yes. And I think they do the double jump cut thing in this as well. But this was, like, a great example of what I'm talking about, the close-up, especially of, uh, was it Barker you said his name yes. was? Yes. Uh, of Barker. Arliss. There's a lot of close but, but with him, it was weird, because usually with close-ups, it's usually someone looking, like, sh- they're usually centered or, like, dead on, but he's, like, he's looking also, to the side, and he's off-centered. Yeah. It was very weird. But they really love doing close-ups of this nerd who was trying to shoot him. Yeah. And it's like, and this was one, the only, that was, like, one of those attempts of humor that, it, it didn't ruin anything, but it just didn't land for me. It didn't me. land, yeah. It was like, maybe maybe it would have at the time, but maybe it's my 2021 vision, yeah. you know? Um, but, I mean, it was fine. It didn't detract, but it just didn't add. The second try was for a father and a son. The son's name is Junior, and we know Junior. He, uh, he played Eddie Donkey Lips from Salute Your Shorts. That's right. And uh, for those uh, who don't know what that was, it was a very early like Nicktoon or Nicktoons Nickelodeon sitcom uh, about some kids at a summer camp. Uh, and I was it Lake Idawana I- or something like that? Anawana. Anawana, because it sounds like I don't wanna. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a great show. It's if if you've ever heard of Zeke the Plumber, that's where it comes yes. from. Yes, oh and it boy. also I forget his name, but the redhead with the mullet. He was the friend of John Connor in Terminator 2. Yes. So, more star power. Wasn't he? I'm not thinking this one. Was he a different kid from Little Rascals, the bully? Uh, he, I don't really remember, but he was also the redheaded son uh, uh, in uh, Different Strokes. Oh, man, we're going, we must do a Salute Your Shorts podcast now. <laughs> um, salute Your Pod. Yeah, Salute Your Pod. Um, so, basically, Junior purposely missed. Well, I, I, he swears he didn't. Well, we we know now. Wade, is it not to go off on another thing, but okay. So you saw the car, the cutout of the of the uh, the bear, right? Yes. Do you notice the the that the bear was kind of wearing like a mawashi, like a sumo yeah. thing? Did it remind you of anybody? No. It didn't make you think of the masturbating bear from Conan O'Brien. Oh boy. Oh, I did, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, as soon as I saw the cutout, my first thought was, oh my god, it's like the masturbating love, bear. This episode has so many references that we're just like, we want to talk about the episode, guys, but we're just going all on these tangents. But, but it's one of the, because like, that just, I, for me, I think that just shows our wide range of what we like. Yeah. That we're like, oh, I know from this and that. And this, and this. Um, uh, I think that's I think that's it as far as those go, so we're yeah, good from here Yeah, th- third man was Master Archer Man. Uh, he won like the the state competition for archery. I loved, and he I, has a card for it. I, I loved his, I loved his, um, I loved his uh, bravado oh, yeah. when they asked for two forms of ID, and he just hands him the wallet like, "I am the shit. I'm telling you." Yeah, and I he am. Just gives it to him. I am basically the Green Arrow himself. So he does it. He kills him right in the heart. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. He gave love a bad name. He gave love a bad name. Okay. And my favorite thing in this moment is he shoots the guy through the heart, and at no point does he... Because I think the idea... And I think the idea is, like, people know the show at this point, so they know he'll be fine. Like, there's no question about it at this point, which is probably why there's no, like... Um, there's no emotion or no real, like, remorse. Yeah. Um, except maybe the dad. The dad was like, you know, I, I've killed people before, you know... I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a junior NRA member. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, going back is, I love when he's like, he shoots him, and his first instinct is, "What do I win?" And he gets the arrow, not money. You yeah, get the he's arrow, the arrow. And it's like, and oh, you, wow. Yeah, and oh, we forgot to mention the uh, the sailor, the sailor that oh, pushes yeah. out. Oh yeah. 
And I was just, and at first I was like, oh, you can kill someone in a war, but you can And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wrong branch. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong branch. Yeah. Uh, so basically the cop, so basically he's dead and Carolee's like, please don't move him. And the cop's like, we gotta. And she's like, here's money. He's like, this is more money than I make in a year. Yeah. Those, oh, that was another one. So, do you need help? That was another one. She's, he's like, we have to move the body. But um, I have I have uh, a prearrangement with the deceased. That doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, I, I love just like I don't know if that's a thing you can actually do in real life. Like I don't know if like you can like I know there's whole honoring the wishes of the deceased, but I don't know if it goes along with disposing of uh, disposing of the body. But I just love the very quick, very very like well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> and then she gives him the money. And he's like, "Whoa, this is more than I make in a year." Yeah. Uh, and then we get we jump cut to them, him and Carolee in the trailer. I'm sorry, pronouns, pal. Earl Ulrich, not the cop, and her in the right. trailer. And basically, here comes the ring ringleader, Arliss himself. He's like, "Here's your money." He says, uh, "You get, you know, you got paid by HBO," which I thought. Which I, yeah, I was like, had a little LOL there. Yeah, I was like, "Way to way to name drop yourself there." HBO. Uh, and he also says, "Me, Carney, Sue, Carney." I thought it was pretty funny. Um, also, uh, also, um, if you also remember when he start when that scene starts, he's reading a newspaper that he's in, or no, he's not reading it. I think she's reading it, but he's in the newspaper. So like, I mean, he he's become very, very much oh, famous. He's not just he's not just a circus guy. He's not just some circus guy that people hear about. There, there's not just word of mouth. Like he's the 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 big a big well. Deal. Funny thing, because he is getting bigger because he said Polanski is going to make his life story, and I think this is before Polanski uh, was outed as uh, yes. Predator. I think that was early. I think that was like early nineties or like yeah. if it was eighty nine, it was like not long. This after is before this. Roman Polanski got canceled and left the country. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, well, well, well it was shot. Unless he was canceled, and that's the funny joke is like Polanski wants to do my life story. Yeah, see that's one of the that's, that's, see, that's one of the things, man. You gotta you you gotta put on those I was of gonna, the time glasses. I was gonna do research on that, but I didn't want to search Roman Polanski. Yeah. So anyway, the seventh life happens here. He uh, gets stabbed in the back, literally, um, and over get, money, and gets robbed over money. Tales from the Crypt theme: someone gets killed for money, right? Even though he doesn't get revived, but he's still killed, and he has the best reactions. Like yeah. his teeth are gritting. Um, and it's. It's and, very, and, and, and this is where you're talking about really 90s where they do like that repeat of her like stabbing him and she says the line again. Yeah. It's really Well, no, odd. it was great because like I thought this is a nice touch. I've never seen anyone else do. And I thought this was a nice little touch. When she's going to stab, because you can tell how inexperienced she is. She reaches in her purse. She goes to grab the knife. That's but instead comb. she grabs the comb. Yeah. And like, but she doesn't miss a beat. Like it still felt very natural. Like if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't think she was gonna stab him like it was it was done really or that there was even like a hiccup and i thought that was i thought that was really funny and i thought it was really good but i also get this weird feeling that like like from her vibe afterwards like it, it wasn't you, yes she killed him but i think it was that whole like I, i'll kill him but he'll come back kind of deal yeah but i get the feeling like it wasn't malicious like i think she just really needed money like maybe she wanted to get yeah. out of the out of the carnival and like that was her way out that's a good way and i cuz cuz if you notice like she's not she she has there's no like fuck you there's no i'll see you in hells or anything like that she's very upbeat about it and seems very like apologetic about it like maybe she even thought like it's okay he'll make this money back yeah um so basically now he's like okay i have one more life left i got to Get 100% of the profits. Um, and so he talks to Arliss. He's like, I want 100% of profits. Like, no. And it's like, hey, who who draws the people here? Yes. And you're like, okay. Yeah, he, blackma- he basically blackmails them into 100% of the profits. Yeah. Um, which... So right now, Arliss a real piece of shit. Which, here, one of the things I'll say about that, and again, I get it. It's a TV show. We're supposed to suspend our disbelief and everything like that. It would have been nice if, for the audience at least, we got some idea of how much money he was actually making yeah. and how much money, like well, how much. No, well, we well, don't even well, know what they were charging for a ticket. Well, here, hold on, here's the thing: they did when she bribed the cop. They said that's more money than I make in a year, and then you gotta think that wasn't all the money, right? So but, but again, for, but again, we don't know how much cops made in 1989. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? I doubt they made a hundred dollars a year. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm saying, but what I'm just saying, this cop like, made this cop makes a hundred dollars and two bags of popcorn and peanuts. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just one of those things where I I just feel like it would have been again nitpick, not a, a not an actual. I, I think this is funny. This is the this is the nigga. nitpick you have, not like the. Oh whole... no no no! When we get into the logic and stuff, yes, but I'm talking um, about in like the bare bones, like just like I've accepted the stupidity of this concept, you know. I'm just saying, for an audience. So now we're back to the present, and Ulrich's like, yeah, all I have to thank is that kitty. That dead kitty. And here is the twist. The twist is that the cat died during the surgery. Which, which, theoretically, as good a twist as it is, it's a twist we should have known. Yes. Because the the cat is right there. We see the dead body. Yeah. We know the cat died. But you don't put two and two together. You don't... In your mind, you think... It died after. Well, not even that. You just think, okay, the gland's going into, going into him, so it's almost like new gland. Restart. Yeah. Because at first, I didn't catch it right away. Because I, I was so much more focused on, like, everything else that, like, I missed that part. So I... So my... Th- thought when that was going on was oh my god he forgot about he forgot about getting shot in the head and no no but he yeah. didn't and that was and that's when i realized like how much more clever it yeah. was even though it was staring you right in and the th- face. and that's where like the whole thing with manfred i believe manfred would eventually said cuz you're saying manfred was behind okay your next death this and this he was kind of planning it out right manfred probably knew so if he would have kept Manfred alive and not be greedy and try to take all the money, Manfred would have been like, oh, by the way, the dead, dead cat counts, so you have this main life. Basically, he didn't take an account because he was selfish, and right. he basically killed Manfred, with, and this is kind of the comeuppance he gets. And that kind of goes into my theory that had he not killed him in the car, at some point yes. in that car ride, I think uh, Manfred would have said, said, by the way... I for I I forgot to either like I forgot to mention or maybe like you know like oh I didn't I I, I didn't think about this you know uh, but either either way I, I I feel like he would have just told him eventually I think it's one of those things that like he wasn't looking too more into the future well more I, of like, my thing is, is I don't think the doctor thought about it right away I feel like if he did he would have told him yeah. right away you get what I'm saying yeah. like. I feel like either way, those, I think it's one of those things. The doc, like maybe like through continued testing, he figured it out, either, and then it was like, no, I, I got. Either this way, shit. Ulrich done fucked up by killing yes. Manfred, and basically he's like, let me out, let me out. He yells, and the people outside like they hear a cat yowl. Right, that's what it's yowling. Yeah, right. And they're like, what the hell? And they walk away, and then he loses breath, and we have a cute little black cat on the grave. And it's a great little final shot, and there we are. Can I throw one more? Hey, I, I know that guy. Sure. Okay, this is gonna be like the dumbest one. The the bald guy with the Fu Manchu mustache. Uh huh. Who's digging the hole? He was on an episode of Full House. Oh my god. Uh, there's an episode where Michelle gets her bike stolen, or she loses it. I can't really remember. But uh, either Jesse or Joey. They find a bike that looks like Michelle's, but it actually belongs to another girl, and her dad comes to get the bike back, and he's the dad. Well, no, he's, you look at that guy, like, if you saw him in something, you remember him. We need to start another podcast called Scott Knows the 90s. No, it's just gonna be called, Hey, I Know That Person. Scott, VH1 has a new show. Scott loves the nineties. Scott loves the nineties. Scott 90s. knows that person. And then Hal Sparks is there, and Ian, Scott Ian's there. I'm not, wait, if we're being honest, I think those shows kind of started this thing with me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I just had to throw that last one. So now we're back to the crypt. The crypt keeper is now petting a cute little black cat. And yeah, until he yells at it. Once again, Scott, I have dramatic reading here. Oh, Are you ready? Both, we're doing both ends. Yes, right. yes. We got it. It's like a sandwich. Um, and this is very neat bread. There, there, nice kitty. Get. Hope you enjoyed our little bedtime story, kids. Alas, poor Ulrich missed a bet. 
Though Dying for Dollars could have been a more popular game show, they could have put it in between Wheel of Misfortune and the newly dead game. Unless they buried it in the wrong time slot. <laughs> and there we are. That's the end of Dig That Cat. He's real gone. Yes. Final verdict, Scott. Um, I like the episode. I thought it was. I thought it was a good story. I mean, especially having watched it multiple times. Each time I watched it, like I, I really enjoyed it. Um, one of the things that I noticed that we didn't really touch on, but it's it's subtle, but it's there, is the evolution of uh, Ulrich from a dumb bum. You know, like because if you notice, like when the doctor picks him up, he talks. He's, very, he talks very, very like he's drunk. He, he's he's drunk, but like he's talk. He talks more like a simpleton. Oh yeah. And then as he progresses, you see him get more and more. He gets becomes more and more savvy. Becomes more and more. Uh, he he kind of he not descent into madness, but definitely descent into greed. Yeah. Which I mean, it's tales from the crypt. Yeah. Um, uh, and the thing is, also got yeah, to think he was homeless. His savvy, greedy ways could have ended him being ended up being homeless. Exactly. We don't know what his backstory was with that. Um, I like I, I like the all the side characters. I think they all were great without being overbearing, given the nature of the episode. And one of the things about those extreme close-ups I mentioned, they can be very, very overbearing and just very frustrating to do. I was with. I was actually fine but, with it. It, ma- it makes it seem more uncomfortable. No, no, no. no. Uh, but that's not what I, that's what I'm saying. Under under other circumstances they can be. But I think in this episode I think they were done they were done well. It's always circuses if you realize there's always that clown and all these movies that's super in your face. It's always like a yeah. weird circus thing. I don't know. Um but I I like I said I thought I thought even with like the close-ups didn't didn't do any harm. They, I think they helped. I just noticed them. Um, I think the characters really good. I really liked. Um, I really liked uh, Barker, the ringleader. Yeah. I thought he was a good character because like he never came off like an asshole. He had like he was kind of like maybe rough around the edges. You could say. Like, he wasn't a dick, but, like, he definitely had an attitude. Yeah. But nothing... He seemed to care. He cared about Ulrich. He cared about his circus. You know, like, even when um, when the, the doctor's pitching it to him. He's like, you know, like, oh, that's... Like, he, he's thinking about it for his circus, not him. Yeah. And that's what I like about him. Uh, I thought uh, Cora Lee was very funny. Her reaction to him dying the first death, which he's going, Resurrection! Resurrection! Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like, she was uh, she was a trip. And the doctor was good, too. I couldn't really understand a lot of what he was saying based on his accent, unfortunately. Yeah. But I thought he was a good character. Well, he, not- defi- he definitely felt, based on, like, what you expect from characters in these kinds of shows or movies, he should have, he was more legit a more legit person that like, usually there's always some kind of ulterior motive or something that they don't tell the person. But in this case, like I think he was very upfront. Like, I think that's one of the things that really worked about this was everyone else was very upfront and very like up until even up until she killed him was very like, you know, a decent person. Yeah. And he was the one that slowly became. Yeah. That's how it always works in Tales from the Crypt episodes. It's a central character or or two characters, and, or three, sometimes three. Right. Um, but then you have the side characters, which are always fun. Yeah, very, uh, I, I very, agree. Very Twilight Zone, this is the I fir- think, this episode This was. is the first time Tales of the Crypt kind of really... I mean, Man Who Was Death, there's some gags, but it's very realistic gags. This one's like... Um, this one is full of gags. And chills, you know, cheers and fears, yeah. all kinds of things going on. It's a nice little. I think it's more on the goofy side than on. The, but there's, you know, there's it has all, its moments where it's, it's not it's the goofy, perfect blend. But then serious. Yes. So I mean, if out of like, I mean, it's one of those episodes I know by heart. I've watched this episode I when know. I was a, when I was a kid. I had this on, you know, rent this on. V, I mentioned this on the first episode. Rent this on movie time video. Man Who Was Death, and this one was back-to-back on the VHS. Right. Me and Red Man used to watch it all the time. Yeah. So I know this episode front and back. Nostalgia-wise, I would give it a higher rating, but realistically, it's about three and a half out of five, I feel like. This is, okay, 
how I feel overall is I feel like this this is like a gateway episode. Yeah, this is an episode like if you know somebody because obviously if you're into horror you're gonna watch uh, uh, you, you know, you're gonna check it out regardless. Yeah. but I'm saying you're gonna check it out regardless one way or the other. But I feel like if if you're trying to get someone who's maybe not all that into horror or you're trying to get someone who might be into it, this is a great episode because it's it's fear is based in. Um, an emotion, not necessarily trying to actually scare you, like with visuals and you know jumps, jump scare. Although I don't think jump scares were really that big of a thing back then. But there, but it's not so much trying. It's not so much trying to scare you so mar, much as like make you feel a certain way. And I know that sounds dumb, but I think you'll understand what I mean. You yeah. understand what I mean. Um, personally, I think this episode would have done well as a movie. Oh. I think this is one that I feel like if you beefed it up and spread out the deaths and everything, like, kind of did, like, the, like, basically, the, I feel like if you literally could go back in time and reshoot this episode as a movie, literally just have more stuff between the deaths, you know, put, the, put more emotions and, like, motivations and stuff into it, I think you could have a decent little movie out of this that would appeal to a lot of people. More of a suspense thriller, Kind of thing, rather than straight up like horror. Yeah. Um, but this is, like I said, this is a fine, a fine little episode. I, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's in its little bubble. It's nice. Awesome. Well, Scott, before we close out, did you have anything to plug, like your Instagram stuff like that? Um. So you can find me on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com slash MK Scott MCP, or just do at MK Scott MCP if you have the app. Right. That is true. Um. Uh, we also, uh, also Meteor King, uh, Meteor King, uh, bandcamp.com. You can get, uh, Meteor King merch, uh, shirts, CDs, pins, patches, all kinds of cool stuff there. Um, we're also, they're also, or we're also on, uh, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Meteor King Band. So be sure to give us a like if you can. Uh, we're also on Instagram, as I mentioned earlier, instagram.com slash Meteor King Band or at Meteor King Band. Uh, and uh, give us a follow there as well. Um, we're on Twitter at also at Meteor King Band. We don't use it. We don't really use it, but you know, hey, if we get enough people, maybe we'll maybe we'll start. I don't. I have one more plug here for you. Uh, it's at on Instagram at Scotland Yard oh. underscore stickers. It's a oh new thing God. that you and your it's wife su- are it's doing. Such, it's Wade. It's such a new. Yeah. It's such a new venture that I. It's not in. It's a great idea. It's yet. a great idea. Your, your wife yes. is behind. Yes. Uh, so my wife, uh, Caitlin, and I, mostly Caitlin, I'm. I just support and help come up with uh, sticker ideas. Uh, we're in the sticker business. Uh, so if you go to Etsy.com/shop/scotlandyardstickers, uh, Scotland Yard being spelled S-C-O-T-L-I-N. Uh, that is because it's a uh, combination of my name Scott, her name Caitlin. And uh, all kinds of stickers. There's some wrestling ones. There's going to be some movie ones. Pop culture. Uh, we've got some fun ones. We've got, uh, if you're into British shows, we've got like Brian Butterfield and Bridgerton. If you're into wrestling, we've got Roddy Piper. We've got Iron Sheik, uh, Tony Schiavone. And it's not, uh, or no, it was listed today. We also have a, a cool Bushwhackers one. And just, you know, kinds of great stuff. Share. Dolly Parton, a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely go to uh, uh, Scotland Yard underscore stickers on Instagram and then Etsy.com slash shop slash Scotland Yard stickers. Get you some stickers, uh, have a good time, tell your friends, and please follow and share. Yes, and also I'll just say this. If you if everyone here that listens to this program follows it, maybe they'll maybe your wife will design a, a crypt keeper. Maybe. So that's a little incentive, guys. A little Crypt Keeper action going right. on. And and, and if, if we're even luckier, she might do different Crypt Keepers. Oh, maybe the Forrest Gump one? Yeah. Maybe the DJ one where he has kind of like, uh, no, not, not DJ, like the heavy metal version where he has like a wig and all that. Maybe that one. Maybe she'll do Crypt Keeper, Crypt Keeper. Yeah. It's like Crypt Keeper, boy, Crypt Keeper. Maybe. Crip Keeper, your Crip Keeper. Anyway, so, um, you know. But follow, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all I got. And that's, you know, of course you can follow us, Tales from the Pod Crypt, on Instagram. 
Uh, of, of course, give us a five star rating on all like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Give us those five star ratings, guys, so we can do more of these. Well, we're still gonna do more of these, but like more people listen to it. Oh, that's a five star podcast. Algorithms. Cool. Algorithms. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, you can follow me separately at Suede Guy on Instagram and Frank and Suede on Twitter. My letterbox is. Suede MCP, that is my letterboxed, and Scott, you'll be back, uh, you're actually going to be on the season finale of season one, you're doing collection completed, but until then, we are joined by Gary Carper next week for episode four, Only Sin Deep, which stars Leah Thompson Ooh, of Back to the Future fame. I like her. Yeah, she's, uh, and she's great in this one. Until next time, boils and ghouls. <laughs>